Traveler, we are live from the apocalypse. Well, 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 here we are again. Look at us. It's been so long. Just old friends catching up. Hi, my name is Will. It's been a while, as previously stated. Things got a little crazy for a while there. There were a lot of things happening, and we fell behind with editing the podcast. And by we, I mean me. I had things going on, and I fell behind editing the podcast. But we should be back on schedule now. Hopefully everything is going to be good from this point forward, and we have a lot to talk about. So that's enough excuses. First and foremost, we are still finishing out the arc that featured our first guest star, Amber Logsdon, aka the Space Jamber, and this is the episode where they really get to shine. You will laugh, you will cry, mostly you will cry. Another thing that happened during this unintentional hiatus is we raised over $2,000 for the International Rescue Committee, which means that we picked a new charity beneficiary, and we are now raising money for the First Nations Development Institute a nonprofit that focuses on restoring economic independence to indigenous communities. And hey, we're still recording this podcast live on Twitch every other Sunday at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And you can find all of that information, socials, Discord link, all that stuff over at livefromtheapocalypse.com. And that's absolutely enough talking from me. Here's Academy H, Signs and Portents, Part 4. as the door of the suite shuts behind Crossroads. Time restarts, and everything picks back up immediately where it dropped off. With Alex talking. He stands up and looks like he is about to start screaming. Then just takes a deep breath and just says, I genuinely cannot believe this. I, both of you, Both of you. I just... What I can't stand about this is that... Okay. Alright, let's just go back to the beginning. Kaz, you jump through this this portal that the crossroads made for you. And I get that you panicked. You know, it, it was chaotic. I understand that. But Kaz, we were going to protect you. What have we done... All along. What if... And you... And you know... You know that... I, of all people... Certainly have a reason... To not want to do that. But what have I done... This entire time? And yet... You don't trust That's me. That's not true. This wasn't... This you wasn't don't... about you... Or the rest of the squad. This was about someone that I needed to help. And I didn't know of any way... That any of you could help him. I did know that Crossroads did. Or I thought he might. Alright, fine. You trust me, but I'm sorry. I clearly... I clearly can't trust either of you. I don't think it's fair lumping Danny in with me. No, I don't want his trust. Every time we've gone and done something, giving his little poses, acting like 
He's only a hero just for his name recognition. Do you think I want the respect of someone who's showboating more than worrying about saving the lives of others? The person who needs to get on camera to brag about himself on social media? I've seen people die trying to exist. And you're out there just being like, gotta get my name out there. If you can't accept cast for who they are, for me, for the decisions we've made, how can we trust you for the decisions you've made? You can't keep casting rocks when you're living in a glass house. You know what? I, I Once again, we're talking about me taking some freaking selfies and you making a deal with a demon that tried to kill all of us. I do not understand how you can make these morally equivalent. And, you know, okay, fine. Okay, we're talking about my thing. Uh, my dad, my boss, whatever. Uh, my mentor, who was in a coma. Apparently, not in a coma anymore. Apparently, he has his superpowers back. I don't understand why. I don't understand what the hell is going on with anything. I also found out some stuff in my mind palace uh that i still don't know what is going i so right now i have things that i need to do and i was going to ask you know squad if they would be able to help me out with that but i don't know if i feel comfortable with that right now so Bethel, I know we're putting a lot on you tonight, but um, as our newly elected leader, the first thing that I'm going to ask you to do is to um, accept uh, a leave of absence from me. I think I think Lyra is still standing there where she had gotten up when she had started to be like, oh, this is a non-issue. We can work past this. And all this just happened. And she's just like, we cannot a team if we're going to just react like this to each other if we're just none of what just came out of any of your mouths was okay frustrations are fine the way all of that was said did not need to be said that way that was just like what happened tonight with that man unnecessary why are we talking to each other like this and you know what you're right I don't think we're going to be able to talk to each other any differently with how angry we all are right now. So, Alex, yes, your leave is granted. When you are ready to come back, let me know. And you two, I understand things happening and being caught in the moment of it. And on the one hand, while I appreciate you bringing it up and telling us, I do understand that it hurts you thought that there was any chance that a demon who fundamentally are liars could have had anything to offer you that we couldn't have at least tried to help you with. So you've hurt us. We've hurt you. Fine. Now, what are we going to do about it? Bethel, I just, I have to say one thing. You're wrong. What you said about Crossroads not having anything to offer us that the rest of the squad could. Because the piece I didn't have a chance to tell you is that my powers come from him. Is this a bad time to say that I'm dying just trying to exist? 
Okay, this feels more important. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't know what you all happened. I'm sorry. I just wanted to. No, 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 no. Coming in for the scoop, for the hug. Danny will follow suit. No, no, it's okay. You don't have anything to be sorry about. Our problems are our problems, and your problems are your problems, but that doesn't make any of them more important than the other. It's okay. No, just, just... When... When y'all said that, it just... Then I... Crossroads just talked to me, and just introduced himself to me just a second ago, and all of this is just happening all at once, and it's so much to process, and I just found out this week about how my powers are killing me, and it's just so... It's so... It's so much. That's what you want to do. You should go. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's not funny, but that's hilarious. Leave the crying child, Victory. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, well, yeah. And also, yeah, like Victory looks like he wants to somehow help, but he also just and and, and now with that, he's going to actually kind of. He was planning on a dramatic exit. Now he's going to kind of awkwardly slink away. Yeah, you're getting the Peter Parker leaving the team exit, buddy. (laughs) Uh, You can absolutely clear your uh, afraid condition for running away, Uh, Alex. Cool, cool. Kaz is great. Kaz is doing the best he has ever been doing. Um, he is not like actively having a panic attack. Uh, and I think while he can appreciate the need to be supporting Burke in response to their revelation, he is going to pick up on that piece and ask, wait, Burke, what what did you see? What did he... What did he say? Uh... Uh, he, uh, um... He said that I... He told me... He... He told me he could, if I... If I wanted to have my powers fixed to... To, to stop me from overloading you know burning out literally I could just ask make a deal and he could make it happen for me and you know uh, I I'm not I'm not used to feeling weak like this or feeling like I need anybody or anything 
that this week has um, really been a crash course. And it's, sorry, sorry, you're having a crisis. This is all about you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm taking up too much of your time. I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry, Kaz. Um, he also had a, um, a lantern on him with a blue light on in it. Danny, also, one more thing. Um, did you have a contract you were supposed to sign? Apparently you were supposed- you, you should have signed it. And Kaz looks absolutely horrified by those last few things. Uh, he had been doing a really good job, like, not jumping in and just cutting Burke off. But when That's they sorry. bring up the lantern and reference Danny's contract, uh, Kaz is running straight to his room, screaming Jonathan's I, name. Fuck, I'm sorry. <sighs> There's nothing for you to be sorry about. Listen, he would have come in here to do that whether you were here or not. So you don't have to apologize for what's th for that. What's going on with Crossroads is, unfortunately, this squad's fault and own problem. You don't have anything to apologize for. You didn't do anything wrong. Okay? I don't want to hear you say you're sorry again. Uh, uh thank you? <laughs> Truly the cruelest thing you can say to someone. <laughs> it really is. I feel called out. <laughs> right? <laughs> At this, Lyra's going to help Burke stand up, and she's going to say, she's like, I know you probably have a room here at the school, but it's late and you can stay in my room here if you don't want to go back and be by yourself or be with your roommates or if you just need to stay here, you can stay here. Yeah, I don't think my roommate would understand. Uh, it's, it's fresh sheets. The bed's never been slept in, so it's... Well, except for the... What, what are they called? The mannequins? The mannequins, there it is, yeah. The mannequins absolutely use the beds at times. Also, um, just a heads up, Danny's gone. Okay. Oh. Oh. That, that is that is good to know. <laughs> there is a portal still there, but Danny is gone. Oh. Yeah, I think I think uh Lyra notices that as she like stands up and she turns to see Cass is running into the room. That's happening, and she's just like I'm used to solving problems. I'm used to saving things and people not causing them so i'm sorry no thank you for your patience kaz what are you doing when you get to your room you are not receiving any immediate reply from jonathan when you call his name i i assumed as much um i think Kaz has just been yelling Jonathan's name with like increasing panic and just a completely frenetic energy. And I think, and we'll see if our storyteller allows it, I think as he is trying to process just everything that has happened um, and the strong likelihood that Crossroads now has Jonathan. I think the room starts to literally glow with Kaz's power and 
the only person here who would notice this would be Bethel because no one else has seen much of Kaz use his magic before, but that purple aura that surrounds him has always stayed pretty close to his body. And I think it's starting to stretch out across his room. Different items that he's made out of bone are starting to shake. And I think ultimately he screams and everything made of bone in his room shatters and just starts flying apart like shrapnel, leaving him as the kind of eye of the storm as pieces are going into the walls, destroying his bed, maybe even cracking a window. That seems fair. That seems very likely. Your window cracks as a piece of bone strikes it with the force of a bullet. In the aftermath of your scream and your explosion of power, you don't feel better. It is much less cathartic. That that lines up. Uh, that's pretty much what I was thinking as well. Um, and I think after that, he just kneels on the floor and cries. Danny, your portal's open. Are you in the white room? Oh, no, I'm uh, at the um, alley where I tried to make the deal. Uh, and I am screaming Crossroads name. And I am carrying one of the katanas, uh, the one that I still have, that I stole from uh, Masters. Interesting. Okay. All right. You scream Crossroads' name into the night. While he does not appear, you hear a voice, a disembodied voice. Crossroads disembodied voice that you've heard before. And it says, Nah. I can tell you're upset. I can't talk to you when you're like this. Can Danny focus on the magic of his voice to see if he can trace back where it's coming from? You can certainly try. Um, I believe that would be unleashing your powers. So roll with Freak. Um, a eight. Eight. Okay, cool. With an eight, you do it. But you do have to mark a condition, or I will tell you how it is unstable or temporary. Um, let's go ahead and mark angry. <laughs> All right. Actually, you know what? Can we mark guilty? Yes. Guilty makes sense. Uh, I definitely dig that. You were guilty. Congratulations. Sick. It's the best feeling. It's called being raised Catholic, baby. (laughs) Pick your religion, honestly. (laughs) So, um, you can, I think, has Danny ever done anything like this before that he can remember? No. He's only at this point used it for himself. Like he has at times tried to grasp at magic in this world to feel it um, and not directly been able, like, like we've talked about how there's not been much magic in this world, how, cause it's recently like returned. But now that he knows that crossroads is such a potently magic, he's like tapping into something that he feels like he's done before, but he doesn't recall having done it before. Very cool. What do you imagine this looks like? We know what it looks like when Danny opens a portal, but right now you're using your magic to sort of link with someone else's power and try to trace it back to its source. 
I imagine since the conversation is still ongoing, it's kind of a thing where um, he would, you know, basically brute force coming back through the way it came. Like instead of opening a portal in space like he normally does, he's instead finding a road that's kind of already there. And basically just uh, John Henry, you know, just pickaxing through it as hard as he can um, just to find any kind of way to connect to it and tear it open. Okay. Um, let me know how you feel about this, but the way I'm kind of envisioning it is uh, you're spinning around in the alley trying to find the source of this disembodied voice. Obviously not the physical source, but anything to go off of. And this spark of magenta energy arcs off of you and highlights this sort of crack in thin air. Danny, as angry and fueled by guilt as he is, you can kind of rush to it and actually sort of get your fingers into the into the crack itself where you start using your magic to physically tear it open yeah that's yeah exactly what i'm envisioning yeah hell yeah as you are doing that the voice continues to talk to you crossroads says you're not gonna want to do that you're not going to like where you end up. I've been in the hell of my own design. You don't think I can handle yours? Not yet. I'll be the judge of that. As the crack starts to grow and widen under the application of your will manifested through your hands, you feel heat against your face. And you see this fell infernal light building between the two sides as you pry them apart. As it finally starts to give, the last thing you hear Crossroads say is, told you so, before a blast of heat and light and fire itself erupts from the gap that you've created sends you flying off of your feet and back through the portal into the suite. Your portal is still open, and on the other side, you can see this crack that has widened now to about the size of a person is also still open in the alley. You can see the lines of heat rising off of it, and you can see the shimmer of the air on the other side. But beyond that... You can't see much of anything, at least not without getting closer. Now, it might be more accurate to say that the other three of you see all of this because, Danny, you get sent flying back through the portal. The rest of you take note of this, maybe just Lyra and Burke because you are in the, the kitchen, the kitchenette area. You see a, a smoking Danny car seat fly back through his own portal and hit the far wall before sliding down. Did the sword come with me? Yeah, cool. we'll say you still have the sword. Cool, cool, cool. Lyra is going to step forward so she is between Danny and the portal so that he cannot just like try to lunge back through it. She looks out into the alley. So she's going to look into the alley, see if this, if this fire thing is still open, and then she's going to look back at Danny and she's going to say, the point of us being a squad together 
means we need to stop doing this running off by ourselves, getting the shit kicked out of us. Bullshit. I-, I left the door open for you guys. Yeah, but did you notice if anyone was coming? Did you check to see what else anyone was doing? You have to communicate. Which, speaking of, you have to communicate effectively. You have to tell people things before they blow up. You can't just... Did you ever tell Alex that it bothered you that he was doing that stuff before you threw it in his fucking face? Just out of curiosity. Because it sounded like you just chose that opportunity to just use it to hurt him instead of listening to how he was saying you hurt him by taking a shortcut with the demon that tried to pin him to the ground like a butterfly instead of coming to your squad for help. Both of you took shortcuts that you didn't need to take. Close this now. Which one? The one you have control over. I'll close it if Kaz tells me to close it. Kaz is having a fucking crisis in the other room right now. He can't tell you to do anything. You're asking him to divide his attention when he is clearly in pain right now. I opened this for him. He's my friend. If he wants it closed, I'll close it. So am I not your friend, Danny? Am I also not Kaz's friend? You're my friend too. And I'm sorry that keeping this open hurts you. But it's for him. He can't do anything about it right now, Danny. Then I'll wait until he can't. You can open it again when he's ready. You voted me the leader. If you had a problem with following my orders, maybe you should have voted for someone else. Close it down. Danny will close it, um, but then open another one beneath him to somewhere else that Bethel can't see and just walk into it. That's fine. I'm going to go deal with the emotional mess that is Kaz. Uh, are you going to take the other emotional mess with you? <laughs> I mean, Burke is, is just the entire time is just ping-ponging back and forth with this exchange, not really sure what the context is or what the fuck's going on. Just like, uh, can I get anybody any snacks or something? Uh, I am uncomfortable with the energy that we have brought to the <laughs> studio today. <laughs> Lyra will look at Bert and she, she will say, if you could just get some water and probably some wet towels for Kaz after, if I can get them out of their room, that might, that might be good. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, on it, <laughs> at least I can do something useful that hopefully won't hurt anybody. Um, and they get up and, start rummaging around in the kitchen to, you know, Brita filter or whatever. Some some waters. Uh, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. No, there's definitely a um, there's definitely a filtration system built into the end of the faucet, you can tell. So a tap water should be perfectly safe to drink. I think as you are filling up the glass You put it under the tap of running water and it starts to fill up and you watch the water slowly climbing up to the rim and you 
you remember something that you've been working very hard to forget. Just a few days ago, when you collapsed for the first time after a training exercise, when you came to in the Academy's infirmary, Leo, Professor Sobrero, was waiting for you, looking very rumpled and wrinkled, like he had sort of spent the night in the room waiting for you to wake up. I hadn't showered or gone home or anything. When you opened your eyes and started moving around, he sat up sharply. He started calling for other staff, saying that you you were awake, you were up. Several of them started gathering around you, Leo, the headmaster. All of them talking to you, but it in your memory it kind of gets drowned out because after they told you that you couldn't use your powers anymore, everything else after that was just kind of static. You sort of looked to your left and the only thing you could really see or, or fixate on was just a just a glass of water that had been left sitting there. You get jerked out of this memory as the water spills over the edge of the glass and hits your hand. I think maybe as like a remnant of like the the memory and the 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 flames that are like going through my body like emotionally. I think as the water hits my hand, like it sizzles a little bit from like heat radiating off. I'm like <sighs> Step away from the water. Turn off the tap. <sighs> okay. All right. All right. Okay. All right. Hold on. What are five things I can touch? Okay. Five things I can touch. I can touch the counter. I can touch the sink. I can touch the microwave. The fridge. <sighs> In the window. Four things I can see. I can see the other heroes in the other room. I can see here, right now, people outside the window, the others at the academy, going about their day normal. I can see, I can see my feet. They're still attached to me. They're still part of me. I can see the glasses of water. And I think just going through that, like, five senses grounding technique is going to be everything. But I think the final thing, they go through the remaining senses. And all right, one thing I can taste. I can taste burning on my tongue. The same burning. The same burning I felt. No, 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 no. No, it's fine. It's fine. All I have to... <sighs> Burke steals himself for just a second collects the glasses 
puts them on a tray, whatever. No, I don't know what they have in student apartments. <laughs> well, there's only two of you now, <laughs> so or three of you, but um, but yeah, so just grab the glasses and just kind of, you know, put them on the table. Okay, all right. Sorry, sorry for sorry. They're delayed. Um, just had a moment. Um. Had a moment. <laughs> I think also, like, from that little flashback moment and, and, and the potential curbed panic attack, like, it takes some of the luster away from their, you know, from their skin. Um, everything on them is just a little bit more dull than usual, but it's fine. <laughs> it might be nice being mundane. Maybe. Eventually, they'll be fine. And before we get into Bethel and Kaz, before we get into Bethel comforting Kaz, Danny, Mm -hmm. we... (laughs) The last two sessions were sort of a wrap-up from the prior arc. So we we never did do your start of session move. Oh, that's true. If that is a thing that you are interested in attempting at this um, point. You know what? I don't think it's a bad idea, but I'm curious if he would be mm-hmm. able to. You know what? Actually, yes. Danny wants to know. Uh, he wants to use it to. Uh, let me roll first, but he wants to know if he knows uh, if Crossroads existed in the future. Mm, okay. All right, roll with memories. I think, well, let me double check what my memory says right now. It's at zero. Cool. I think you should be at zero. Yeah, because yeah. I think I started at negative one, and each time I do this, it uh, goes up one. Yep. Oh, no. <laughs> A seven. Uh. I got a one and a six. <laughs> All right. Um, you get a seven, um, which is a mixed success, and that's what you got last time. So on a hit, you connect who they are now to who they are in the future. So actually... Yeah, before you failed. So yeah. this time you actually get to choose the role that they fulfill in the future, and I'll tell you about their future self. So you get to put them into any of those categories. You know what? I think Crossroads being who he is, I think he would have initially appealed to the survivors of humanity and then done something against them. I'm going to label him as the traitor. shit oh shit all right very cool very cool in your future there was um there was an alliance of necessity labels like hero and villain stopped meaning anything you've talked about that before you didn't really have those concepts where you're from and everybody was just doing the best they could to survive 
at some point, Crossroads was bound to someone else. You never did know the specifics of that binding or how it worked, but Crossroads stopped jumping around to different people, trying to goad them on to make deals and things like that, and very much became more of a resource for the survivors, for you and, well, your family, essentially. And I think it was very well understood, even by Crossroads, that that deal or that binding or whatever you want to call it, was the only thing that kept him alive. Without that, he would have been banished or wiped out or consumed a very long time prior to that. However, eventually Crossroads had the chance to break the binding, to break the deal and regain his own self-control, regain his agency. But it meant betraying all of you, essentially. And he did it. He made the deal. He followed through. His binding was released. Your family paid a heavy cost for it. Crossroads, in turn was betrayed. Yeah, I figured he got destroyed immediately. (laughs) Crossroads was consumed. A victim of the same sort of monkey's paw deals he used to delight in offering people. Upon remembering that whenever Danny has been reminded of someone he uh, new from the future, no longer existing, no longer being around. Um, it's 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 hit him emotionally in a way where he doesn't really know how to put words to it, and it has made him withdrawn. This is the first time him remembering what happened to somebody in the future makes him smile. And knowing that something, anything can consume Crossroads and stop what he is has made Danny want to be able to be the one who does it. So when Danny opened that portal, he didn't go back to the alley. He went to the magic house. Because if he can't handle that heat, he has to get out of the kitchen. But that doesn't mean he can't bring a hazmat suit for next time. That is very fair, yeah. You step out of a portal, down on the grounds, on the quad of the Brandt Academy, directly in front of Ravenholm Manor, which looms in front of you in all of its gothic architecture and dusty windows, heavy curtains. Does the door open for me? If you try it, 
Yes. Then yes. All right. You step into Ravenholm Manor, and we are going to cut back up to the suite. I got to go get Kaz. Yeah, you walk into Kaz's room. Burke follows very shortly after. Once they've had a chance to gather themselves and they bring the water with them. Kaz, you are... Yep. Curled up on the floor. Are the bones still circling? No, they've all fallen. Um, There's still... The bones are like scattered all across the room. He's still glowing, though. So his magic is still active. Um, Nothing is happening at the moment, though. What can we do for you, Kaz? What do you need right now? And I think given where Kaz is at when Burke says that, he just snaps, I don't need anything from you. I don't even know you. Okay. Lyra's gonna kind of take that one in stride as to the um, the emotional read of the room. Uh, and she's gonna walk over and crouch down, not in front of Kaz, like she did in Ravenholm Manor. I think she's going to crouch next to them. And she's gonna say kind of uh, in still kind of like the hyper agitated tone that she has right now with everything going on but she's going to try to be a little bit more understanding of the fact that they probably are not really able to hear her or listen to her right now and she's going to say Whatever happened, you are in a place with the best magic-based resources. It's the point of why you came to this school, wasn't it? To learn, to get help. We're going to find what we need to help you. But you have to relax and get up off the floor and breathe for me. Because we're not going to be able to help you from here. Can I roll to comfort? You can. <laughs> I've done this once before. I will try <laughs> to do it again. This is my mundane, which is my, my good skill. That's my good skill. Oh! Yeah. Okay. Uh, 13? See, this is why you don't get any potential. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> this isn't, I got two fives and my thing is a three. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, Kaz, you hear Bethel and you can mark potential, clear condition, or shift labels if you open up to Bethel. And because you had over a 10 Bethel, you can add a team to the pool or clear condition yourself. I will add it to the pool because I think, I don't think I have any condition. Yeah, no, mine are you're, 
So. Yeah, you're clear right now. Into the pool it goes. And so I think with that, I'm going to choose to mark potential because that's going to bring me up uh, five for five. And so I think that's what makes the most sense because I don't think Kaz is ready to let go of that anger yet. That makes sense. And he hears Bethel's words. Um, I think when she starts talking, he is on the verge of responding to her similarly to how he responded to Burke and just snapping and lashing out. But as she continues to talk, and especially as she mentions, like, this is what you're here for. We have these resources. He's still crying, but he uncurls a bit and says, that's the thing, Bethel. I came here for him. I came here to help him. And now he's gone. And I don't know what Crossroads is going to do to him, but I know it's nothing good. And I... Bethel, I can't... I can't have this happening to my best friend. We're not going to just do nothing about it. We're gonna do something. Okay? What if we do something and it's too late? Bethel, he's not... He's not alive. Has. I'm gonna sound like an absolute bitch right now, but I need you to listen to the whole sentence and not just the first part. This might be the consequence of trying to take a shortcut. When you came to this school to help him and you decided to speak with Crossroads. But just because that might be the consequence, that doesn't mean we're going to accept it until we know we can't fix it. Until we know it cannot be helped and it cannot be fixed, we're going to operate as if we can do something. Because there is no point There's no point in trying to be better and do better if we don't think we can. You have to just think that we can and we will get him back. You cannot, you cannot retreat and catastrophize about what could happen if we fail. Because if you're more worried about what could happen if we fail, you might miss something that we need in order to succeed. I cannot stress enough that if you just think that the worst can happen, that's what will happen. And once again, I think throughout that, like Kaz is on the verge of saying something and it isn't really until those final words that he kind of slows down and takes a breath and then another and then another and says you're right you're right and you're you're right about everything this this is my fault this is on me i and then like it kind of breaks <laughs> down cuz then he's like 
I never should have left my dad's house. Like that's where this all started. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. We've gone too far. <laughs> We've gone too far in the other direction. Bring it back. I think, I think <laughs> like, we flew too close to the sun boys. I, Let's. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think uh, Lyra was just going to like, at this point, similar, similar to when they were with Burke, going to just get them back on their feet. Be like, nope, nope. we're going to stand up. We're going to have some of this water. That's the solution to every problem. Have you had water today? Have you taken your meds? Have you had a snack? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, everybody is making very mature and healthy decisions, which will not get rid of your conditions, (laughs) but that's your choice to make. Um, And you can just have those, you know, for as long as you want. Until you decide to uh, do ill-advised things again. Kaz. You're sort of racking your brain for solutions. For things you could do to help really in, in any way with this mess that you are in. All of you as a squad. You're deeply entangled with this demon. Your best friend has been taken. And nobody else really knows about it. One thing that we have never done before is the Scions core mechanic. Do you think that's a possible avenue that Kaz's brain would go to? That's that's an interesting question. Um, The Scion central mechanic is you have a series of names of known associates of your supervillain parent. It could be their arch nemesis. It could be their closest confidant, their chief lieutenant, the city's greatest hero. The list of possibilities go on. And you can, as the scion, you can roll to basically track these people down and your interaction with them can build a can build a a back and forth where you can slowly build or lose their respect. And that kind of defines the direction that the Scion is going in. Yeah, I think that is definitely something Kaz would start thinking about. I think, and I think it would come to him because I, referencing his, like leaving his father's house, I think he would then kind of jump to, I could call my father and then be like, I'm not going to let my father know what's going on here. So then kind of jump to, all right, who else do I know who might be able to give me the information I need to figure out what to do with Crossroads? And I think he'd be looking... Trying to reflect on like what type of information he would be looking for. So, Kaz, if we want to explore that avenue, you would be rolling with Savior and you would be deciding who you would be trying to reach out to or track down in this particular instance. Um, And if you want to talk through your options, I am happy to do so. 
I think there's a, only one main option that I can think of that we'd identified that Kaz would think of, um, which is an interesting one given how he views this person, but I think it's Alistair Infernum who he would be thinking of. Uh, I think you are correct. I think that makes the most sense. When you are, when you are <laughs> dealing with a demon, who better to go to than someone with a, a being of hell literally trapped inside of them? So you would be rolling with Savior. Yep. Let's see how this goes. That is an eight. Okay. On a hit, you find them where you expect them to be. But on a, on a mixed success, they are juggling their own problems and may or may not have time for you. That is yet to be determined. So, with all of that in mind, Alistair Infernum is a musician. Prior to becoming a member of the world's preeminent magical superhero team, the Mysterium, Alistair Infernum was just a rock star who, along with the rest of his band at the time, performed a, a little bit of stage theatrics in the form of a, uh, you know, ritual, satanic hellish ritual to summon something. Unfortunately, turned out that the ritual was uh, very real. And as a result of that, Alistair found himself bound as the living gateway to... You would actually, you would absolutely know the name of, of the being, um, both mostly because you... Uh, mostly because of your father, I'm sure. You would know absolutely that the the being that Alistair is the living gateway for is known as Golgamoth, the Hell Drake of the Ninth Circle. Alistair still performs when his duties allow for him to, and you recall that he was actually slated for a performance tonight at the Kettle. And so I think Kaz has been just kind of letting all of this, just mulling all of this over, getting himself together, taking a sip of water, and then kind of just straightens his jacket and says, all right, I know where we're going. We're going to a concert. Okay. Um, Two things. One. We don't know where Danny is right now. And I don't know if you heard it, but I uh, said some things about us no uh, talking to each other and not doing things solo and by ourselves. So at the bare minimum, we need to tell him where we're going. Second, uh, we just got you off of the street uh, af 
after almost being arrested do is there anything we can do about and she kind of gestures at his at his face it's like this situation because otherwise uh we might be right back in that situation again yeah i'm not worried about that but uh we should call danny um in fact i'll give him a call and kaz is going to see if he can catch danny by cell phone uh, Lyra's going to shift focus immediately like a mother duck back to Burke and see how, how they're handling things. Because I'm realizing I can also try to comfort you. Oh, you've got, uh, I'm in. I do have a <laughs> lot of conditions right you, now. You've got a lot of conditions. Mundane is my good skill. I'm in, I'm in possessed Polish mother mode. I can try to comfort you still mundane is my worst skill so it it's a great balance two great tastes that taste great together uh. <laughs> so while kaz steps away to make that phone call uh i'm gonna lead them out of this semi-destroyed bedroom back into like the living sitting area sit them down and be like um yes yeah so as you can see, this is very much uh, a go, go, go type of a situation. Yeah. Yeah. You look very tired. Are you going to be okay to come with us? Because here's the thing. Um, I don't want to leave you by yourself right now. But I also do not know if it would be fair to you to make you come with us. I should not be alone right now mm -hmm. but i really appreciate that um i think having i think having my thoughts to myself are a really bad idea because i'm i um i'm just gonna get in my head mm -hmm. i'm just gonna spiral and i'm i'm not i'm not okay I think having a distraction and a concert sounds great. Honestly, it's just a chance to be normal. Okay. All right. Then that's what we'll do. But thank you. And we'll all go. Cause otherwise I was going to stay here with you, but we will go. I don't think Kaz can be alone right now either. That's, I'm hoping at the bare minimum Danny can come back, but I it, I would feel better if yeah. all of us could be together. Absolutely. Thank you. Okay. Do you need to go get anything to take with you? I need to not be in my super suit. This is very uncomfortable. I probably should go change. Okay. So how about you and I? You and I are going to go back to your dorm. We're going to get some of your stuff. Okay. You're going to bring it back here because you're going to stay with the spot okay. until we get Okay. All of this taken yes. care of. Okay. Until we get you taken okay. care of. Okay. Okay. Let me roll this and see if I can actually do anything. Uh, six, a three, so twelve. Sick. Nice. All right. So same deal. Burke hears you, and if they open up to you. They can mark potential, clear condition, or shift their labels as they so choose. 
And you can also add a team to the pool or clear a condition yourself. I'm assuming you're going to add another team to the pool. Put it in the pool. Put it in the pool. So, I um, I think I'm going to open up because I would like, I would love to clear one of these conditions. Um, <laughs> I think I would like to clear guilty and just I I I know you didn't none of you asked to be here or have me involved and God knows I mean really I was forced it off onto Danny and Danny's gone and I don't know where I don't know where Danny is but I I'm embarrassed to be in this situation and I'm scared and I feel guilty that I'm pulling resources away from you all and everything that's been going on and clearly there's a, there's so much you all have on your plate but I'm grateful still that in light of it all you're willing to at least have me with you for as long as I'll be here. <laughs> However long that might be. Thank you for taking me in. I will not say sorry. Good. Good. I'm clean guilty. Get that shit out of here. Yeah, we're done. No more guilt. <laughs> Bye, bitch. Fuck that shit. All right. Done with guilty. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, perfect. All right. Uh, Lyra will just kind of like stick her head in Kaz's room and be like, we're going to go get some of Burke's stuff real quick. Don't leave without us. And then leave them to their phone calls. All right. You set out to Burke's room, um, which is probably in a different part of Ellis Tower this sort of quad suite situation that the the squad has, I think is, is pretty explicitly reserved for squads, training squads. Burke, you probably have one roommate in a more sort of traditional dorm style, you know, double bunk beds, desks, all of the works. And I think you're on a, I think you're a few floors down from where the squad is currently set up. You take the elevator down together the door of the elevator slides open and on the other side a tallish man looks up from his phone a little surprised to see two people standing there Bethel you recognize Glenn immediately but for obvious reasons he doesn't recognize you he's wearing a collared shirt under a sweater he has a white lab coat on with a visitor badge a brant academy visitor badge dangling from it that has dr glenn west printed on it and he barely pays you any attention bethel but upon seeing burke he takes a step back 
and smiles and says, Berkeley Drennan? Yes. Hi, I was, I was actually just looking for you. Your roommate told me she had no idea where you were. Uh, yeah, I was pulled away. Um, I, I assumed that she would be in. I'm sorry. No, I'm not sorry. Lyra's gonna interrupt this immediately because here's the thing. Uh, one, I don't believe that he doesn't recognize me because there's no way. I mean, he probably doesn't recognize the outfit, but there's also no way when Nina told me that they put to, she put together, oh, there's one other bitch who can manipulate glass. So I don't believe that for a second. I have no idea what he's here for, but I also don't trust him as ethically as a doctor since he was dating his patient. Not even, not actually dating uh, his patient, pretending to date his patient, which is somehow even worse. Uh, so, <laughs> Lyra's gonna interrupt this situation. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot going on in, in Bethel's there's... mind that Berkeley has no idea about at the moment. <laughs> the Kill Bill sirens are going off immediately. Uh, so, she's, Beth, Bethel is going to, in the middle of Burke's uh, kind of explanation as to why they weren't there. Lyra's going to step forward and she's going to say, um, Nina Kroll was arrested. And if you do not want the same to happen to you, you will get out of here right now. Yeah. Seems a little caught off guard by that. His eyebrows in confusion. He puts his hands up non-threateningly, maybe takes another step back away from you as you take a step towards him. And he says, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't think we've met. I'm, I'm Dr. West. I'm, I was asked here. I was asked here by the staff to treat Berkeley. That's, I'm sorry. I, this is all... I'm a little off guard. I'm sorry, what? Can I pierce the mask? <laughs> you can. You can absolutely do that. I'm not playing games. I've got too many things to deal with. I don't know where Danny is. Alex is off on his own solo journey, which is agonizing to me. Kaz is in crisis. Burke is dying. I am not here to play games with Glenn's unethical ass. Roll with Monday. <laughs> Nine. Okay. You get to ask one question. He is going to continue talking. He's going to say, I'm sorry, I wasn't expecting to just run into you. Um, I'm a scientist. My field of expertise is, well, well, abilities. People with abilities. Yeah. I was brought in by the school to investigate your case to see if there was anything we could do to help you. Um, can we move from this elevator into a little bit more of a more comfortable location? Of course. Um, like I said, was not expecting this. Yeah, I just, um, I would, I would, I would highly prefer if we don't have this conversation potentially within earshot of my peers. 
absolutely. Um, I just came over because I wanted to introduce myself while I was still on campus. Yeah. I'm I'm not part of the faculty. I won't be staying here. But I am making use of their facilities for the time being, at least in the initial investigation stage of, of our working together. I'm not quite set up yet. Uh-huh. Perhaps we can find another time when it would be convenient. And he kind of gives Bethel a, a sidelong glance as he says that, where I'm not um, interrupting. Um, can I assess the situation? You can. Yeah, because, I mean, I don't know Bethel very well at <laughs> all, but if her hackles are going up, then maybe mine should be too. Um, of Okay. Yeah, so uh, I, let me go ahead and do that. Uh, hold on, what is my superior? Okay. So just straight 2d6. While while they are rolling that, uh, I think the question I decided for Pierce the Mask is, what are you really planning? I I gave his description to Luminary and Masterson, and I had yeah I she had thought in her mind when she had done that in connection to them bringing in Nina, she thought they would have like hunted that lead down and the fact that apparently they did not is highly distressing to her right now all right very cool yeah you uh as you are staring at him sort of staring him down he is going to redirect his attention to you Bethel and he is going to he's going to give you another one of those sort of sidelong, almost sheepish smiles. He'll say, you clearly, you've heard about my fiance. And, um, I wish I could offer some explanation that would make everything clear. His expression changes to one of sadness and he says, I, I'm afraid I just didn't didn't know what she was doing and who she was who she was hurting all I can really say is that I I, I've cooperated 100% with the investigation and I haven't been accused of or charged with anything I mean obviously I don't think they'd let me (laughs) onto this campus, much less ask me to come and work with one of the students if that wasn't the case. <laughs> uh, just a quick visual cue sidebar for any podcast listeners who are who are currently experiencing this. Uh, Amber does have a red flag <laughs> handy that is currently being waved on stream. Extremely vigorously. Yes. So he says that Lyra's gonna kind of, like, tilt her head in a way that it's not clear if she's, like, acknowledging that in a positive or a negative way. It's just kind of, like, emotion. And she's gonna reply back with, uh, well, hopefully no one else is gonna get hurt, either. I don't trust what he's gonna do to people. I don't trust his mad scientist unethical ass. 
he's going to nod and say, I couldn't agree more. You know, I think about all of the, I think about all of the pain that this has caused her family. I just hope there isn't more to come. It's hard to tell if you're imagining it or if that last statement is very purposefully directed at you and carries a vague hint Mm -hmm. of threat. I think that Lyra will just maintain the the expression and she will just say, uh, we shall see. Berkeley. Yes. What did you roll to uh, assess the situation? I rolled a seven. Okay. You also get to ask one question. I do. Um, I... So I get to take plus one while acting on any answer that I get, but I'm going to ask in what way is this guy, Glenn, a threat to me? Hmm. Because if he's claiming that he's here to help me deal with my powers and, and the repercussions therein, but he's having this combo with with Bethel, like, well, I haven't been decertified. I haven't been disbarred yet. <laughs> Sus. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I didn't say that out loud. <laughs> that part is in reference to previous conversations. You just get the you just get the whole immediate shift from like I'm trying to keep everyone calm to. I will fight you. Yeah. I will say that you don't find any outward threat. Glenn does not, Dr. West, whatever you want to call him, does not seem to present as an outward threat to you in any way that you can detect. Mm -hmm. But with your role, you absolutely pick up on the undercurrents of this back and forth happening between Bethel and this doctor. This sort of shadow conversation of veiled threats and feigned ignorance you can tell that there is something more going on here Dr. West is there a card that I can take from you or some way that we can speak at a later time because Unfortunately, at this moment, um, we do have a prior engagement, um, and I would rather... This teenager is speaking very highly for... Sorry, I'm speaking... Shit. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, you, uh, as a as a budding hero, you know, yeah. you're using, you know, a, a sort of a professional, uh, neutral, like, speaking pattern, if... If you want to say that's something that you've, like, picked up from that, you go with that. I will take it. I will take that. Thank you. Okay. Um, we, we, we have a prior engagement that we are expected to attend. So, if you don't mind, I would love maybe your email address or a, a, a WhatsApp with, that I can use to contact you by. Um, but... But I, I do not think right now is the best time for us to start this 
doctor patient thing. He sort of chuckles and he starts going through the pockets of his lab coat and then starts like patting down his slacks and kind of gives you a hapless sheepish shrug mm. and is like, I don't seem to have any of my cards on me at the moment, but um, you're absolutely right. This is hardly professional and um, I should, I should leave you to, uh, to your night. Um, I'm going to be set up in the Seraph Center, I think, starting tomorrow. Okay. I was hoping you might be free. We could run some initial tests. I cast, like, a glance over at, um, over at Bethel just to, like, almost vibe check. Like, that's suspicious. That's weird, you know? Upon upon hearing where he's going to be in the future uh, and the information that uh, apparently he was asked here, Lyra is going to kind of deliberately shift her body language down. She's going to kind of take the more like soft stance that she would have if she was like at home. Uh, so like it's less clearly like on the offensive, on the defensive, kind of like just the neutral body language. Um, but she's not going to say anything while he's still here. I take note of that. Um, well, Dr. West, if I end up having the time tomorrow between classes and everything to make it over to the Seraph Center, um, I will certainly make it that way. Um, but of course, I am still a student here and be holding to my schedule. So, uh, I'm sure we'll find a time. And, and the last thing I want to do is pull you away from your studies and, and your life. My body may be failing me, but my mind isn't. And we should keep that sharp. That's the spirit. We'll find a time to make it work. And I just want you to know that I'm going to do everything in my power to help you. If it's any comfort, you're not the first patient I've worked with going through. He pauses and says, I know what it's like to feel like your body is betraying you. Sure you do. I'm sure you do. And if he feels uncomfortable or picks up on any subtext, does not show it, he kind of flashes that same clueless smile and switches spots with you. You get off of the elevator, he gets on the elevator, and the doors close on Glenn's smiling face. Have we just been like holding the door like this entire time? Like that kind of like, okay, all right. I feel like Bethel was probably doing it. When she stepped forward, she probably threw her hand up to be like, well, listen here, motherfucker. Fuck <laughs> Yeah, I was kind of picturing it as a standoff where like you weren't getting off the elevator. He wasn't getting on the elevator. And then eventually he kind of just slides past you and you switch. We cut back to Ravenholm Manor. If you didn't shut the door behind you, it slides shut behind you with a click. 
you find yourself standing in that same hallway that you were in on your second day, I believe, here at the Academy. You didn't really see very much of the house, at least not this version of the house. Aside from the drawing room or library or whatever it was, the curio room, off to your immediate right. What are you doing, Danny? So Danny is um, going to assume that the layout of the uh, the under the reversed the underground house is going to be um, the same as the basic layout of this one. Um, and I, if I remember correctly, the the attic was the library, right? The drawing room, off to your immediate right, had a lot of bookshelves and weird stuff in it. The attic had a larger collection of items, but I don't believe it was a library. I don't believe it was full of books. I believe that was just the drawing room. So, um, yeah, Danny will as sneakily as possible because he knows he's not supposed to be. Like, as much as he likes to uh, talk about how he's going to make a new friend, um, he knows that right now he does not have the time to build a strong friendship. So he is going to um, sneak over as quietly as he can to the drawing room to try and really grab, like not even necessarily read right now, but grab as many of these books as uh, he can that he thinks will be relevant. So as to study possible strategies to uh, stop crossroads once and for all. Okay. All right. As you are examining these books and starting to pull them down off of the shelves, you hear the creak of a door opening somewhere else on this floor of the house. And as it opens, you hear two voices conversing with each other. One of them you recognize as Michael Ravenholm, the sole occupant of Ravenholm Manor, whom you met in the aftermath of your adventure here in in the manor. The other voice you do not recognize immediately, but as the voices grow louder as they draw closer to your current position one of the voices the voice you don't recognize is saying i'm just saying that this is what happens when you sit on your ass all day you get you get rusty you know this this never would have happened to you and michael interrupts and says don't say it and the first voice says in a very grand and clearly overwrought mocking tone Artemis Eldritch. Michael sighs and says, God damn it, Ellie. All right. I'll admit that I am. I'll admit that I'm off my game. But there is a reason I don't do this anymore. It's your problem now. As he says that, well, let me ask you this. Danny, are you staying put as you hear the voices drawing closer? Are you attempting to hide? What are you doing? I, um, question, can Danny's portals open here to the outside? I don't think you had occasion to, no, that's not true. Yes, they can. Um, you did disappear that way after telling Michael that you were going to break into his house more often. I was very upfront about that. You, Mm -hmm. You were very clear. So then Danny is like craning his head to try and like listen better. But while he is doing that. 
His hands are basically, he's not even looking. He's just grabbing books, throwing them into portals. And with his other hand, he is pulling out a different book, like from somewhere else and uh, replacing them, hoping that he can get away with this without them noticing. However, the books he is replacing with are like Goosebumps and Animorphs and One Punch Man mangas. <laughs> like he is just grabbing books, thinking that like, this will work. This will work perfectly. Um, but he is sneakily trying to listen in the whole time. Somewhere in the world's last borders, books, and music, oh. portals are just opening left and right as oh, hands no. reach through and start pulling out manga and young adult novels. Jesus. I'm destroying the last <laughs> business one book at a time. Michael and this other individual round the corner as you are finishing your efforts. And they both stop. Michael, obviously, you recognize he is tall. He has black hair that sort of swoops to one side. He still needs to shave. His hair is a little unkempt. He also needs a haircut. And he's wearing black jeans, a black t shirt, and like a black pea coat over both of those things. The individual with him. She is of a similar height to Michael, and they bear a striking family resemblance. Her features are also very sharp and angular. Her hair is a reddish color to it, but it's like that henna red. And both of them have very bright blue eyes. She's wearing a costume, also a superhero costume in contrast to his jeans and shirt and jacket, that is almost like a sort of a one-piece bathing suit with like bare shoulders, but the bottom half is this skirt that has like slits up the side of each leg. She has um, boots and then also fingerless gloves that go up to like mid-bicep. And pretty much the entirety of her uniform is this midnight blue color but there is a black eye icon on her chest they both stop when they see you michael sighs after catching his breath and starts looking around and is going to say so what did you take i like to think what did i give it's not the sword because i moved that after the last time where I mean, I can, I can see the, I don't, did you put an Animorphs book? Did you put five Animorphs books back on my shelf? Well, one of them is the Hork Bajir Chronicles. Well, that's the best one, but I'm not here to debate that with you. It absolutely is. <laughs> Danny will reach into his um, overalls and pull out, uh, I have a library card and it is a uh, Chili's gift card. Michael gives a very defeated, heavy sigh, and the woman with him is very amused by all of this. And she says, Michael, aren't you going to introduce me to your friend? Michael puts one hand up to his head and says, yeah, uh, Ellie Perkins, this is Danny Carseat, right? That's what it was. Yes. And then Danny will uh, 
stop what he is. He, the whole time he has been replacing and moving books because no one has moved to stop him. So uh, he will stop for the only time, uh, take her hand, bow, and uh, kiss it very gingerly and say, Don't do that. Enchante. Don't do that, Michael says. And Ellie seems continually amused. And, and Michael kind of like separates you. He sort of imposes himself, pushes you back a little bit away from her and says, Danny Carsey, this is Ellie Perkins, my little sister. Danny will smile, but say nothing. But the smile is very big, gigantic, to the point where like Dreamweaver is playing in Danny's head as he looks at Ellie. He has never known the feelings he is feeling right now, but he is feeling it so strongly. And that is almost entirely because when he feels Ellie, like in the room, like her presence, he feels her magic. And he hasn't really felt it quite like this in some time. So there is something that has enchanted him, like quite literally. All right. Very interesting. Michael takes a step over to the bookshelf and starts surveying things and says, God, all right, you really don't know anything, do you? I think we've established I do not. Yeah, you missed a lot of the you missed a lot of the best ones, to be honest with you. And um I think you probably I think you just grabbed whatever you could reach. I went with the pretty spines first, and then I moved on to the big ones. Okay. Uh why? I would like to stop crossroads forever. That statement sobers the energy in the room. And the siblings trade a look with one another. Ellie speaks first and says, I think a lot of us would, Danny. That's something my team has tried to do a lot. And it's not... It's hard to stop a demon. Danny is going to drop the pretense and say... Where I come from, something stopped him. And I need to learn how it did that. Because if I don't stop him, I think it's going to happen again. So which are the good books? The best books? Michael says, look, Danny, I think this is really noble. And I'm not good at this uh, adult thing. I'm not your teacher or your mentor or anything like that I hope that maybe gives it some weight when I say that you are out of your depth chasing something like this down you are not there yet that's what he said too I don't like that people keep telling me what I can and can't do So I think I need you to teach me how to get there so I can stop him. Either of you, both of you. Oh God, a team. We could be a team. I have a team. I already have a team. I'm so sorry to both of you. I already have a team. They're mad at me, but I like them. So Ellie smiles and holds her hand up and says, I also have a team, which I guess that just leaves you, (laughs) Michael. You're available. Yeah. 
Look, uh, yeah. Sure. I'll teach you some stuff. Okay? Also, I opened a door to hell. And I would like to keep it open, but... (laughs) It is a door to hell. (laughs) In an alley. And they both freeze at that, and... Ellie says, Oh, I have to go. <laughs> and Michael nods and says, Yeah, you you have to go. You have to go. Danny will, will say, Let me help you with that, and then open a portal to to the hell zone. <laughs> the hell zone? Like to to right out next like not in the hell zone, but like next to the hell zone. And then he will wink at her. <laughs> See you in hell, baby. Wink. Oh my god. Not the only hot thing in that alley. I'm so sorry. I've never done this before. Oh Ooh. My god. <laughs> they trade another look between the two of them, and when you make the portal, Ellie kind of like her eyebrows go up. She shrugs it, Michael, like she's impressed. And Michael shakes his head. And sort of waves the two of you off and says, I will, I'll be here. Uh, Ellie rolls her eyes at that and goes to go through the portal. Danny's going to leave that portal open, but he's not going to follow because he knows he's out of his depth and feels that she is not when it comes to this. But he is, while making eye contact with Ravenholm, he is going to grab like five more random books while maintaining the eye contact put them in the pocket of his overalls start to walk away through a portal that he has opened to go back to the dorm and instead of walking through that portal come back grab the hork bezier chronicles and then go through the portal If you'd like to keep up with us and what we're up to, you can follow us on Twitter at LiveFromTheApoc, Instagram and TikTok at LiveFromTheApocalypse, or join our Discord community, which will be linked in the description down below. And if you enjoyed what you heard today, feel free to give us a good rating and follow us on your podcatcher of choice. Leave a review if you're so inclined. It really does help us out so much. The donation link to our First Nations Development Institute fundraising campaign can also be found in the description if you'd like to help support Indigenous communities. Join us for the live recordings of Academy H every other Sunday, or any of our many other ongoing live-streamed campaigns that happen throughout the week over at twitch.tv slash livefromtheapocalypse. For all this information and more, check out livefromtheapocalypse.com. As always, nothing we do would be possible without your support, and we appreciate you so much. Until next time. Academy H is edited by Will Malkus with music and sound effects from Epidemic Sound. Character art by at OxyBellasDraws on Twitter and Instagram.
That is very fair. Also, as long as we're breaking the immersion, uh, hey, are you okay? Like, as a GM, I would not be doing my job if I wasn't like, cool, all right. I just want to make sure that, oh, yeah, like, no. this is a this <laughs> oh, is no. an incredible <laughs> performance and not, like, acting something else. <laughs> <laughs> well, so we've, we've also all been doing yes. a, lot of, a lot of yelling. Everybody cool? Oh, we no, all, that helps me get the character. Cool. We, oh, we all chill? Just, just no, I hate you, Brenda. <laughs> 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 you, did, you did once write a haiku about me dying in a fire. <laughs> <laughs> I did? You did. Was it good? <laughs> it was actually not bad. Hell yeah, good work, past Jamie. <laughs> all right, let's... <laughs> Calm down, past Jamie. A uh, haiku is very easy. <laughs> <laughs> um, 